And joining us here in the studio for the news briefing is Son Ji-un. Ji-un, good morning. Good morning, Henry. Well, we still don't know, as I said, uh, the official winner of the U.S. presidential election. Uh, As it stands right now, we can tentatively say that Joe Biden seems to have an advantage and Mm -hmm. that he may be the new president of the United States. That being said, whether it is Donald Trump being reelected or Joe Biden becoming the next president, certainly there are going to be some huge implications, not just for U.S. society, but also for the rest of the world, including some changes in key foreign policy initiatives. That includes what happens here on the Korean Peninsula, especially with how the U.S. is going to approach the uh, thorny issue of North Korea. Mm. South Korea here, of course, being very much a part of that, uh, really recognizes that certainly there could be some changes in store. And we have seen a lot of diplomatic activity afoot. Yesterday, we talked about the foreign minister, Kang Kyung-hwa, perhaps uh, planning a trip to go to the States and, and meet with some officials. And it does look like In terms of at least what uh, Korean diplomats and security officials are showing, there is a bit of a flurry here. And um, there have been some reports now that the security chief of Korea, actually in a rush, left the parliamentary audit on the presidential office yesterday. Yes. So Donald Trump and Joe Biden have very differing perspectives on how to deal with North Korea and its denuclearization. They also differ in their stance towards how to maintain their relationship with their longtime allies, such as Korea, and what to do with their military presence there. Now, who becomes the president will thus heavily affect how things will unfold unfold here on the Korean Peninsula. Mm-hmm. Now, as the outcome of the U.S. presidential election was on a knife edge. With the two candidates neck and neck, the director of national security at the presidential office hurriedly left the annual parliamentary audit of Chawade and headed to the presidential office. Uh, according to the ruling Democratic Party floor leader Kim Tenyon, national security director Sohun had to return to Chawade as the pressing situation of the U.S. election called for swift government response. Now, before he left the audit. Saul was asked whether uh, what were the implications of the U.S. election outcome on our North Korea policies. He answered that whoever wins, the bottom line goal stays the same, um, and that is the and the approach. And it's the approach that will differ. He added that South Korea, as well as both Democrats and Republicans in the U.S., share the same principles uh, towards North Korea, and that is the complete denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. When asked whether our government is fully prepared on how to deal with North Korea depending on who wins the election, Sa answered that they've done the best uh, they could and that the government will spare no effort in communicating with the U.S. going forward to march towards a denuclearization under whatever circumstances that will come. And it's interesting because as a, uh, a responsible nation, South Korea is not going to go one way or there's, oh, we prefer Biden right. or we prefer Trump. They are certainly going to be uh, completely neutral publicly. But you hear some of the signs of what you reported with uh, Sa's comments here. And there are some indications of at least what the Blue House is thinking. One is that the uh, idea of who wants to win the election is one thing, but 
the Blue House has one goal, which is peace with North Korea mm-hmm. eventually. It just means that the tactics may have to change. And I think by implication, if Biden becomes president, then uh, what they're saying is those tactics will right. differ. Now, he also added that very key uh, kind of clue here is that regardless of who wins, you have Democrats and Republicans. They disagree on a lot of things, just mm-hmm. like here, right? Kumi mm-hmm. Nehim and uh, Minjudang, they differ on a lot of issues. But for the most part in the U.S., With Republicans, Democrats, there's a consensus, at least with North Korea, it's got to be CVID or some kind of North Mm. Korea has to completely denuclearize before anything else can even be discussed. Mm -hmm. And so that seems to indicate that Trump was really that sort of lone wolf that kind of had a different approach. He did this top down thing. And so uh, they found that to be a very interesting way to approach North Korea. And it resulted in these summits for better or worse Mm -hmm. or whatever um, people want to make of the uh, productiveness of all of that. But it's a different approach. But with Biden... We might be going back to sort of the traditional kind of view of things, which is the consensus in Washington. So there is going to be a little bit of a shift in strategies there. As for the U.S. election itself, we're going to talk more about that in our second part of the program, including during global news coverage and also get an analysis from a professor who will be joining us. Let's turn to domestic news, though, ji We have another pressing and kind of disturbing situation with COVID-19. It's been a little over a week now since the uh, chairman of Samsung Electronics, Igani, passed away. And as is known, when prominent figures pass away, they hold a wake in one of the uh, prominent hospitals mm-hmm. and uh, dignitaries come and pay their respects. And that's a very traditional thing to do here in Korea. Now, in the time of a pandemic, it makes things a little bit right. more trepidatious. But here, unfortunately, it wasn't actually any of the dignitaries, but apparently one of the journalists covering this event uh, turned out to be COVID-19 positive, and that has led to now potentially a uh, spreading event. Yes. So a reporter who visited Samsung Medical Center on the 26th of October to cover the late Samsung chairman Lee Gun Hee's funeral was diagnosed with a novel coronavirus this Monday. Now, health authorities sent out an emergency disaster text and asked everyone who was at the medical center and funeral lobby to visit a nearby health center and get tested for the virus. As you said, it would have been one of the largest wakes, and thus many visitors, including prominent figures and high-profile figures, would have to get tested now. One of these figures include Finance Minister Hong Nam-gi, who's now under self-isolation waiting for the result at his home. Others include figures such as Cheju Mayor Won Hee-ryong, Gyeonggi Superintendent of Education Lee Jae-jung, Minor Opposition People's Party An Chul-su, and many more. Yeah, so you see a lot of these uh, prominent politicians, including many of these uh, conservative uh, politicians like An Chul-su or Won Hee-ryong, uh, potentially being uh, infected. It's been quite a... Uh, Uh, eventful week for Hong Nam-gi. Mm. Uh, he uh, tendered his resignation. Yes. He's been under fire. He's been kind of uh, politically under a bit of a firestorm. And now it uh, looks like uh, he is, uh, again, having to concern himself with potential uh, infection from COVID-19. Now, uh, in terms of the spread of this or the potential spread, Samsung Medical Center, um, they did say they kept the number of visitors under 50 at a time, and then they did operate the uh, QR check-in system. So that would... imply they have some sort of pretty stable contact tracing Mm. uh, infrastructure already there. So you hope that the virus didn't get uh, too out of 
control, and uh, that is going to be the end of it. And we're just going to have to deal with these uh, potential uh, infections and quarantines as it stands right now, that it doesn't become a super spreader event. That being said, uh, there are always these concerns now that, as we've seen, we're getting many cluster infections in various parts of the country, and we sort of have... kind of stabilized into this kind of plateau of 100 or below or a mm-hmm. little above. What are the numbers looking like right now? Well, closer to Halloween, the numbers seemed a bit alarming as they hovered around 120. However, in the past couple of days, the daily infections have fallen to double digits. After reporting 97 and 75 cases a day this Monday and Tuesday, the country reported 118 cases yesterday, a little above 100. Now, of the 118, 98 were locally transmitted cases, while 20 were imported cases. Now, as you can imagine, a vast majority of these cases came from metropolitan areas, 42 from Seoul and 43 from Gyeonggi, so more than half, uh, way more than half of the cases came from metropolitan areas. Mm. The latest upticks, as you said, come mostly from um, senior nursing homes, hospitals and related facilities, so we should definitely would have to keep an eye on Samsung Medical Center so that it doesn't become a super spreading event. Yeah, uh, cluster infections are coming out of hospitals and especially these elderly nursing homes, uh, nothing new. More media attention paid to Samsung Medical Center is because uh, this is dealing with very prominent yes. individuals, so uh, certainly a lot of scrutiny there. You would say perhaps one of the good news here, although we still have to keep an eye on those post-Halloween partying numbers, is that it doesn't appear, and it does look like perhaps uh, health officials and Korean society as a whole have learned their lessons, is that Mm. after that Golden Week holiday, uh, during the Children's Day and Family Day in May, where all the club goers in Itaewon and they had the big uh, uh, kind of eruption of infections, it doesn't feel like we're going to get to that level. It does look like uh, they are keeping those numbers under control, but uh, it's still a little bit of an uneasy sort of uh, balance that we have where we are looking at below 100, uh, a little above 100, but Mm. really not getting below that uh, under 50 mark, which is what uh, most of the authorities are hoping to Mm. to eventually uh, get to. And so we're going to see next weekend, I think, whether uh, we're currently at level one, whether that's going to be... jumped up to level right. two or even above uh, for, uh, for some more, I guess, safekeeping in terms of uh, controlling the spread of COVID-19. Turning to some uh, political matters and really on the question of the overall uh, process of prosecutorial reform, the launch of the Independent Investigative Unit, also known colloquially as Gongsucha here in Korea, Finally, picking up some speed, um, the key to launching the body was first to get some candidates and Mm -hmm. then select the right person to head the organization. Where are we on that part of the process? Well, it took very long for the parties to get here, but I guess the actual game starts from here. The members of the nomination committee finally met at the end of last month for the first time and agreed to nominate five candidates each by the coming Monday. Now then, if everything's on track, they will resume their meeting next Friday to go through and basically screen the candidates. Nominating the right candidates 
candidate will be very tricky as the bars are very high and the position requires political neutrality as well as fairness. Now, a candidate uh, must have more than 15 years of experience as a judge or a prosecutor or an attorney and must retire at the age of 65. Anyone above that age or anyone who's been sentenced with imprisonment or punishment heavier than that is not qualified for the job. Moreover, a retired prosecutor can only head the body if it's been more than three years since his or her retirement and a retired public servant from the Presidential Security uh, Secretary Office as well should wait more than two years to be able to take on the job. This means any incumbent prosecutor or public servant from the Presidential Secretary Office cannot become the head of the Independent Investigative Unit. Now, those mentioned uh, for the candidate include attorneys Lee Gwangbom, Lee Jung-mi, Auditor Kim Jin-guk, former director of the Judicial Office Lee Yong-gu, and former chairwoman of the Korean Women Lawyers Association Cho Hyun-uk. Although they are all qualified to take on the job, some may be questioned of their political neutrality. The ruling DP hopes to complete this nomination process by this month and officially launch the body next month, but there is the right to veto by the opposition side's nomination committee members that may always delay the timeline. Right, and the opposition, uh, as we reported last week, had appointed two uh, candidates uh, of their own. Uh, speaking of political neutrality, both uh, very much on the record of being very kind of extreme right-wing and very much opposed to mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the concept of Gong Su-cheo itself. So uh, you have dueling sides on that aspect. Originally, when this fast-track legislation was crafted uh, to have the establishment of Gong Su-cheo, uh, the independent commission, uh, they, the reason why they set up this committee was to make it palatable to the opposition in the sense that we have a committee, as a sense, six of the seven members, I believe, have to be uh, in agreement yes. to appoint the candidates to head the committee. And the concept behind that was we want to make sure that we have this overwhelming con- consensus between opposition and ruling party members of this committee that whoever comes out there, then nominally you'll think, okay, both opposition and ruling party feel it's an okay guy. Mm-hmm. That means this guy's probably going to be a little bit not radically left or radically right, right and kind of kind of uh, acceptable to, to most. And so that was the kind of ideal heading mm. in. It, there is a suspicion now that the opposition side might just completely just veto and uh, oppose everybody. In order, to not, in order yeah. not to launch the body. To waste time to and to, to make right. sure that they can run out the clock maybe mm. before the next uh, by-election. So I think the DP is mindful of that. So there's mm. going to be some counter-strategies involved to try to get this uh, off the ground, which a lot of their supporters have been clamoring for for months and even years now. Turning to another uh, very important societal issue here, ji uh, a lot of people work blue-collar jobs here, mm-hmm. and it, it is difficult, and it's dirty and dangerous, so we talk about those type of occupations. And unfortunately, a lot of people get hurt and lose their lives uh, through that work, uh, and it's something that the politicians also pay attention to. Uh, there was, in fact, a moment of silence during the parliamentary audit uh, yesterday in regards to those tragic deaths. Yes. Minor Opposition Justice Party floor leader Kang Eun-mi listed the name of workers who died in industrial accidents one after another during the parliamentary audit by the steering committee of the National Assembly on Cheongwadae yesterday. Now, the chamber fell into a moment of silence at once. The She went on till she read all 120 names 
crimes. But what was shocking was that these were people who died since the parliamentary audit began. And for your information, mm. the parliamentary audit for the 21st National Assembly began on the 7th of October, which means then in that in less than two months, uh, 120 workers died in their workplaces. Now, Justice Party Florida Kang said that workers are dying every day and that it's the government and the National Assembly that have to protect our people. She also reiterated President Moon's earlier pledges to reduce death resulting from industrial accidents by half and create a safer country for workers. Kang Fold called for a government response, including legislating a bill her party has proposed, which is on punishing corporations for fatal accidents. Now, Presidential Chief of Staff No Young-min answered that it's a given fact that there needs to be more efforts and improvements on reducing the number of death resulting from industrial accidents, despite some progress the country has made. Yeah, and it's appropriate to keep the government account, especially uh, as uh, people had voted for Moon Jae-in as president and part of the platform was to Mm. increase the safety of these industrial workers. And so uh, that is the Justice Ministry uh, doing their job, calling attention to the issue. And although progress has been made, as uh, the uh, chief of staff is saying, more needs to be done on that front. Uh, There are also uh, questions about the conditions of uh, the uh, education ministry and the workers there, and especially for uh, parents who lead busy lives, and some of them are uh, dual-income families. How do you care for your young Mm. kids? Uh, Thousands of after-school care attendants now have warned a warning of a one-day strike this Friday because they want better working conditions as well. And apparently they're trying to block a legislative revision that is pending right now. Yes, and that is a revision that would make after-school care a project planned and managed by local government authorities, unlike how individual schools are responsible for their own after-school care currently. Now, after-school care workers fear that once the role is transferred to local governments, it could increase their jobs insecurity. Now, the rationale is local governments that are tight on budget will likely delegate the job to private companies with the lowest bid, which could increase the chance of those private companies firing after-school care teachers to save their money. And thus, more than half of the 13,000 members of the Coalition of Non-Regular School Workers are expected to join the walkout tomorrow. Uh, However, there are also those who support the transfer uh, of after-school care roles to local governments, and those are teachers' associations. Teachers' groups uh, believe such shifts would lower the burden on schools that were already struggling to focus their resources on actually teaching um, their students, especially during the pandemic. The Ministry of Education is proposing that teachers groups and the Coalition of Non-Regular School Workers meet with the Metropolitan and Provincial Offices of Education to continue their discussion. Yeah, it's a tricky issue because, mm. uh, because of the pandemic. There are so many cases now of uh, everyone being cooped up at home and really right. no outlets to have care, especially if the workers, the parents who are still in office jobs now eventually have to get back to work and there's nowhere to put the kids to to care, especially Mm. if uh, schools are not on full time. And this increased demand uh, leads the government to believe that there needs to be a top-down approach to try to get this system more smoothly, whereas the workers uh, that are being affected are fearing that uh, this Mm. will then again, as you say, lead to uh, outsourcing or kind of a race to the cheapest kind of way Mm. to try to get this policy across. And so uh, we're seeing that debate play out. We do have time 
Time for one more story, and this is uh, coming out of China, a bit of corporate news, but also involving a little bit of the uh, problems with uh, government and how uh, governments can be a little bit dictatorial. Uh, China is... As we know, a uh, communist country, Mm. and uh, we know they're not a democracy, and it's uh, kind of very evident in the fact where Jack Ma, the uh, the famous billionaire, his ant group IPO is getting yanked by the authorities uh, after apparently Jack Ma making some... uh, comments that were deemed critical against the uh, Chinese government. Yes, so China's tech titan, uh, Jack Ma's financial tech firm, Ant, was to go public with an initial public offering becoming the biggest share sale in history by raising $34 billion. But just days before the IPO, Chinese regulators put a break on the IPO. Now, Alibaba's Alibaba's market value plummeted and so did Jack Ma's personal assets. Alibaba closed the market at $285.57 on Tuesday, New York time, which is a 8.13% decline uh, from the day before. Before then, now Alibaba lost seventy-five billion dollars in market value, while Jack Ma himself lost thirty-three uh, billion dollars. Uh, this follows Jack Ma's criticism of traditional banks, as he said that traditional banks in China are operating with a pawn shop mentality, and the authorities with an outdated supervision. Yeah, and so maybe legitimate criticism. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the government authorities will claim that there's some other reason, a technical reason why they're pulling the IPO, but it would be like, uh, I don't know, like uh, Pang Xiaok with Big Hit Entertainment and BTS's success all of a sudden criticized uh, the Moon Jae-in government, then then the government said, you know what, we're going to yank this uh, IPO out from under you. Uh, Probably doesn't happen in Mm. in other nations, so it's an interesting uh, phenomenon there. Okay, Sun Jiyun, as always, thank you very much for joining us. We'll talk to you again soon. I'll see you next week.